So if you're enjoying, appreciating, benefiting from this series of short talks by Padma Vajra on the life and liberation of Padma Sambhava, him channeling these lightning flashes from the blue beyond, then please do consider making a donation to Padmaloka. We're still in uh, uncertain financial times. This year we lost our main source of income, uh, our retreat income, and even though people are starting to return to Padmaloka now, uh, our costs have considerably gone up. Uh, given the various measures that we have to put in place. So although we've benefited enormously from people's generosity uh, throughout the year, we really need to keep that stream of generosity flowing. So do please consider giving what you can. You can do that by following the link that's attached to this video or beneath in our YouTube channel or visiting our website and making a one-off donation or taking out a monthly standing order. Thank you. Rudra Matarangara, the terror that devoured his mother, began to take over the entire world, the entire cosmos. Things became very, very bad indeed. The world became very, very desperate. People were calling out to the Buddhas, to the Bodhisattvas, because Rudra is taking over everywhere. He's taking over the subterranean realms, the terrestrial realms. He's even beginning to threaten the celestial realms, this powerful demon, this maliciously gracious demon can just conquer everybody and everything. He is the ultimate tyrant, the ultimate dictator with deep down a profound insecurity Things are so bad, the Buddhas call a big meeting. Yes, the five Buddhas and Vajrasattva call a big meeting, a big council meeting, along with the Bodhisattvas, to see what can be done. It seems that even among the Buddhas, they have to have meetings to sort things out. The transcendental realm, the eternal realm, the realm of Buddhahood has to do something. Of course, this is a story. This isn't a doctrine. This isn't scientific, rational truth. We're in the realm of myth. This is so important to remember. So a big meeting of the Buddhas. What is to be done? More importantly, who is to do it? And of course, who has to sort the situation out? Atapa Nagpo's, Rudra's former, former teacher and co-disciple. Tubka Shonu and Dempag, they are going to have to deal with the situation because this all started on their watch. Maybe the Buddhas thought, well, well, you were the teacher, you gave that teaching, you were the fellow disciple, you were there, perhaps it's you that have failed and this is what has happened, this is the result. They don't say that in the text, but perhaps that's what they have in mind. They have to take responsibility for the situation. But in the intervening hundreds of thousands of lives, yes, Tapa Nagpo has become this extraordinary demon, but Tubka, Tubka Shunu, who is, remember, a form of Padmasambhava, a manifestation of Padmasambhava, he has become Vajrasattva, primordial Buddhahood itself. And Dempak has become 
Vajrapani, the wrathful Bodhisattva of energy, the Guhyapati, the Lord of the secrets. So they are told, right, it's for you. You now have to go and convert this demon, subdue this demon. It's on you. You have the responsibility to do it. Then the five Buddhas, as it were, join together. They form themselves as Avalokiteshvara, a very significant detail. They become one as Mahakarunika, the greatly compassionate one. Great compassion itself, unconditional loving kindness and mercy and compassion itself. Tara appears as well, and Avalokiteshvara and Tara bless Bless Vajrasattva and Vajrapani, Tubka and Dempag. Off you go with all the benedictions of us, with all the blessings of great compassion to deal with this extraordinary demon, the demon of Sangsara itself. They assume strange forms, the two of them. Vajrasattva assumes the form of a horse, a horse deity. Dempak assumes the form of a pig deity, but some, in some versions a sow deity. They become tiny, tiny figures buzzing around Rudra, buzz, buzzing around Mataranga, like little bees buzzing around, or perhaps little mosquitoes. And Rudra is saying, well, who are you? Who are you little ones? Who are you little ones annoying me? He's getting annoyed with them. And before he knows it, they enter into him. Tupka, Shonu, Vajrasattva, Padmasambhava, the horse, goes up his penis. Then Pag, the pig, goes up his anus. They go right up inside him. They hit him in his weakest places. These little ones, these little ones that are the most powerful Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, and then they explode and expand and unite within his body, causing him the most unimaginable pain and humiliation. He calls out for his mother, his father, he's desperate. And a voice from the heaven, heaven says, end your anger, end your evil. It's over. It is over. The nightmare has ended. And Rudra, all he can do is bow and prostrate and offer himself to the mandala of the Buddhas in subjection, in humiliation, and he begs for forgiveness. He begs for blessing. He says, I know I cannot enter the mandala. Just let me be at the edge. Let me just have what's left over from the food offerings. But relieve me. Relieve me from these sufferings. Let me enter. Let me enter the realm of the Buddhas. He is converted. He is transformed. He worships. He confesses. And he is transformed into a great protecting deity. Some texts says he is transformed into Mahakala himself, the great protective uh, deity. So he's transformed and consecrated to Buddhahood. This extraordinary story. Some texts even have him singing a wonderful 
verse of confession called the lamenting confession of Rudra, the lamenting confession of pure egotism, of rampant egotism. I'll just read you a couple of verses to this. It's addressed particularly to Vajrasattva. I am foolish and deluded, a great sinner with evil karma. By the power of karma I am reborn as Rudra in the realm of desire. I feel remorse for this rebirth. This karma is exhausting me. I feel weary and I have regret. But the karma cannot be changed. The force of karma is like the flow of a river. How can the river of karmic power be immediately reversed? All these ripenings result from my own karma. Although I entered the teachings, I have been unable to follow them. My body, speech and mind have fallen prey to evil deeds. Forced about by the fierce storm of karma, I have wandered through the dark dungeons of Sangsara for countless former eons. Protector, through your compassionate blessings, may you purify the obscurations of karma and disturbing emotions and establish me right now in your presence like a loving mother. So this is the story of Rudra's conversion, Rudra's transformation. This is an extraordinary myth. Even the most evil, the most demonic, can be transformed and consecrated uh, to Buddhahood. This is what the message of this particular teaching is. Nothing is ultimately evil according to the Buddhist tradition. In the end, everything will be transformed and purified. In another passage in the life and liberation of Padmasambhava, towards the end of the first volume in the English translation, there is a remarkable uh, passage describing the finding of treasures. It's describing all of the different treasures, Dharma treasures, that are hidden in all sorts of realms, hidden for all kinds of beings, hidden in all sorts of places. And towards the end of that section, it refers again to the myth of Rudra. This particular section says, although Rudra is transformed and vanquished, although Rudra is transformed into a Buddha, he keeps arising, he keeps arising as an evil force. Of course he does. Sangsara keeps arising, keeps re-arising. We know that. But, the text says, within this Rudra there are treasures to find. Within the depths of Sangsara, within the depths of the conditioned, the unconditioned can be found. We need to find the treasure in Rudra's body. And Rudra's body is vast because Rudra's body is the whole of existence. This is what the text says. Although subdued, Rudra Tapanagpo rises up again. His eight consciousnesses correspond to the eight cremation grounds. And his skin represents paper, his shin bone the calamus, the four waters of his body the inks, the five poisons the words of the dharma, and his skull, mouth and nose become receptacles of treasure. His internal organs, toes and fingers represent the places of the treasure. From the five skandhas, 
from the five senses, from the five elements, and from body, speech, and mind, proceed 18,000 myriads of treasures. If one groups them in tens, there are the breath of the treasures and their flesh, the skin of the treasures, their hair, and their heart's blood, the fat of their bellies, their limbs, the nerves of the treasures, their marrow and their brain. The extraordinary treasure is the globe of the eye, the subtle treasure is the fluid of the eyes, and the wax of the ears. The one without sex is the nasal mucus and the liquid. The distinguished treasure is called the life of the veins. The intermediary treasure is the bile of the treasures. This one must know, be acquainted with, and follow them all. I don't understand this passage. I don't understand what it means, but I'm powerfully affected by it. I'm powerfully affected by it because it's telling us that we have to go in to Rudra. We have to go in to the demon. We have to go in to the depths of samsara, not by indulging samsaric activity, not at all. Not by acting out the glaciers, not by acting out the defilements. We are here already in the depths of conditioned existence. And it's here that we need to find the treasures of the Dharma. And it is here that we need to transform the body of the beast that we're in. Transform it into a great Dharma protector. It's best, I think, to end this little talk with Bhante's commentary on this particular passage. He says, what does this mean? Well, if we look at it carefully, and if we want to express it in a few words, do you find the remedy where you find the disease? The remedy is found in the depths of the disease itself. If you understand the disease, you arrive at the remedy. If you plunge deeply into the body of Tarpanagpo, you can take out the treasure. You don't have to go outside the world to find the transcendental. You go very deeply into it. You utilise it. You utilise all its forces, all its energies. You integrate them with yourself and that is your spiritual life. You dig deep within the body of Tarapanadpo himself, this gigantic, festering, foul body, because that is there. That is where you will find the treasure. So this it is what is generally signified by Tarama, the treasure, and this figure of the Turton, the taker out of the treasure. And as we go on, as we go on with our lightning flashes, we are going to try and find some treasures. We're going to try and follow some Turtons, some treasure finders, manifestations of Guru Padmasambhava in our time and in our place, in the depths of Sangsara, in the depths of Tarpanagpo, in the depths of Rudra, in the depths of the one who devoured his mother, we're going to find the treasures of the Dharma and transform everything into the Dharma. <laughs>